Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott and I'm your host. I'm also a certified professional coach specializing in confidence, mindfulness, and joy. Albert Einstein supposedly said that we get to make a choice every morning. Do we live in a friendly universe or an unfriendly universe? And of course, the way our day unfolds will correspond to what decision we make. Just like that, we also get to look for winks from the universe because the universe is always sending us gifts, sending us reminders, sending us nudges. And when we're open to them, when we're looking for them, they are always there and they remind us that we are so loved and we are so supported. Here are a few examples of the winks I've gotten from the universe lately. So last week I was stuck in traffic, stopped in traffic, not stuck. I was stopped in traffic behind a dirty truck. On the back, someone had drawn a heart and written, I love you. I said, thanks universe. Then before my race, I met this magical Turkish woman who just came up and gave me and two of my friends all this luck, all these blessings for our race. She didn't even know what a triathlon was. And she was so excited and made us feel completely famous. After the race, I saw a dolphin in the water behind our campground. I know, no big deal. I live in Florida. There are dolphins here. But that, because I made the decision that the universe is friendly and the universe is looking out for me. That is a wink from the universe. And that felt so good. And then last Monday, I'm getting in the pool. This is the day after a race. I'm kind of tired, kind of out of it. We've got one lane for a bunch of us. And there's a new guy who shows up not that thrilling. We have new people dropping in all the time. Well, it turns out that this guy is a nomad who's been on the road in an RV for a year and a half, and he's a triathlon coach. That's what I did for 16 months. I was on the road in in an RV working as a triathlon coach and a confidence coach. What are the chances? I could say it's a coincidence, but it's so much more fun to say it's a wink from the universe. My friends, I challenge you to go out there, open your eyes, and look for the wings from the universe, because the universe really, truly wants us to know that we are so loved, and we are so supported, and we don't have to do it by ourselves. Okay, keep that in mind as you go into this episode, this conversation with Christian Sinclair. She is a spiritual mastery teacher, a spiritual and intuitive coach, counselor, speaker, and an author who has worked with thousands of people around the world for over 10 years, teaching personal and spiritual mastery in life, health, relationships, finance, and business. Hope you enjoy this conversation and please shout it out on social media, share with your friends. If you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do. Please leave us a five-star rating and a nice friendly review. 
that's it. Enjoy the episode and go forth and be awesome. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. My guest today is Christian Sinclair, and I am so excited to have this conversation. Welcome, Christian. Thank you so much for having me. So I already said I don't know where we're going, but I did notice something in your bio. Well, lots, your bio is juicy. Um, but it says you've been studying this stuff since middle school. Can you take us through that, please? Well, I mean, I studied earlier than that. Um, I just started getting certified in middle school. Um, I started doing energy work when I was in elementary school. Um, that was like what I did at sleepovers. <laughs> and what, did, what kind of energy work did you do? Um, I just, well, it was like, I, I just thought it was cool that my friends could feel my energy like without physically touching them. So it's kind of like a little party trick that I did. Um, and then, you know, I started learning more about the healing properties of it and that it wasn't just a party trick. Uh, so I started getting certified in it, you know, and it just was, you know, I was around spirituality so much that when there was a class being offered, it was just kind of like, Oh, I might as well do that. You know, um, like I got some certifications in aromatherapy that I don't do anything with, but they're there, you know? So it was just, I, I just, I'm just like that in general. I just like learning. I, I love learning. I love knowing things. I love just experiencing things, whether it's about business and branding, which I do, you know, just with myself and with friends and family and stuff. I love doing that. Um, I'm just like that. So I started doing certifications in spirituality in middle school and, um, you know, just kind of went down the rabbit hole of whatever was available and whatever resonated. And what's really cool is that through time, I've done so many things. I'm able to see how they're all kind of the same thing. You know, it's like, we sometimes look at everything in spirituality and religion so differently. And it's through experiencing all these things, I realize how they're actually so much of the same thing. And mm -hmm. that's really beautiful. Yeah. It's all connected. It's all the same with a slightly different lens. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we all human beings, we all have filters as I call them, you know, it's mm -hmm. like our human filters of how spirit moves through us. So it's like, you know, for one person, your gift is music through another person is hands on healing, whatever it is, you know? And so it's, that's really what it is to me, like modalities and belief systems. It's really just the way that spirit went through that person and how their filter translated that thing. Mm -hmm. I really like that perspective. And then whether or not they choose to teach it and pass it on. Right. Right. And that's why I think it's so important for healers or spiritual teachers of any kind to do our own work mm -hmm. because I, I believe, you know, for myself, at least I believe the goal is to, get out of my filters as much as possible. You know, um, my filters will always be the way I express things, which is unique to me, but I want to be as human filterless as possible so that spirit moves through, you know, it, we use the term conduit a lot in spirituality. Like when you do healing work, you're a conduit of spirit. And for me, it's like to be the clearest conduit possible is to have as little attachment to ego or our human filters as possible. So that's, that's what I practice in spirituality. I think the, the clearer of a conduit we can be, 
the the more authentic spirit is moving through us and it's not just our own filters that we're bringing that information or that healing through Mm, yes absolutely i want to dig deeper into that but i've got this is still tugging at me picturing you in middle school well all the other kids it's like the most awkward time in our (laughs) life (laughs) and you're getting aromatherapy certifications and all right. So first of all, how did you even know that these things existed? Those weren't on my radar. Um, both of my parents are spiritual teachers and authors and were in the spiritual community. They were really uh, prominent figures in the spirituality and self-help field. So I just grew up around these people. Um, you know, at the time, again, I didn't know that these people were famous or, you know, New York Times bestsellers. You know, it was like, um, I like, I didn't know that Dan Millman was Dan Millman until I got to high school and friends of mine were talking about Dan Millman. And I'm like, Dan, Dan Millman. Oh, he's actually famous. You know? So it was like, I didn't know that anybody like, that was just what I grew up with, you know? Um, so that was just what I was around. And so when somebody is teaching a class, you know, on, finding your soul's purpose. I'm like, Oh, cool. Like, you know, that's, I'll do that. I'm here anyway, you know? So I went to a lot of things with my parents and then they had friends and they had friends and, you know, it was just what I grew up around. And it, it, it was kind of weird in the way that I, I thought everybody talked about those things. You know, when I'm talking to, you know, you know, what got really weird was when I would say something at school and then it would happen you know, like, oh, so-and-so is going to ask you out. And they're like, oh, he doesn't like me. And then he literally walks up and asks her out <laughs> and the look on their face. And then, you know, and then it gets weird because he's like, she's horrified I'm asking her out. And it's really that she's horrified that I just had a premonition of it, you know? So it's, yeah, it, it, it was weird. It was weird to be around these amazing people where it was so normal and then kind of go into the real world and it was not normal, you know? Mm-hmm. and it's, we, you know, we were talking about it. It's, it's so mainstream today. And just not that long ago, it wasn't, it was really weird to talk about past lives and karma and, you know, any of that stuff. Like that was, you were still kind of called a witch (laughs) at that time, you know? So growing up, that was still kind of weird to the outside world. And so for me, it was like, I kind of get to go back home and be supported by these amazing people, the, the Dan Millmans and the people like that, and be around these people that get it and not feel weird. Um, most of my friends when I was young were 40 through 60 years old. I didn't get along with a lot of people my age because they were talking about makeup and I was talking about Akashic Records, you know, it was like, <laughs> so it was just you know, different priorities and, and mm-hmm. that's cool, but like no judgment, but it's just, yeah, it was just kind of, um, I just had different priorities and different things I wanted to talk about. And in that community, that's what I got. So that's what I just threw myself into. It sounds from my perspective right now today, it sounds wicked cool that you had that experience <laughs> as a kid, but was it, did it feel... Did you ever reject 
that or feel like you're being forced into going someplace spiritual? Um, not the someplace spiritual, um, because I have always been psychic. It was just, that's what it was. Um, you know, when I was, when I started getting a little bit older, again, I didn't know all these people were like the people. So to me, they were just, and a lot of them were just my parents' weird friends, you know, <laughs> like, um, there was a time where I started getting a little, you know, can't we just be a normal family? You know, that kind of like yeah. any high school kid, no matter who you are, it was mm -hmm. like, you know, don't, don't talk about past lives with, with my friends, you know? Um, so yeah, there was that time where it was like, you just want to be normal. You just want to fit in a little bit. And when it started being that I was different or weird because I, you know, there were times where I would say some, like I would answer somebody's question that they hadn't asked yet. And there's only so many times you can do that before people start looking at you weird. You're like, you know, um, or handing somebody something and they haven't asked for it yet, you know? So it's like people start catching on and it starts getting a little, um, you know, uncomfortable. And again, high school, you just want to fit in anyway. It doesn't matter who you are, you know? And you're trying to learn who you are and you're trying to kind of step away a little bit from your parents a lot of times and figure out your own identity. Um, so there was that questioning of what are my parents' beliefs and what are my beliefs? You know, I've always been on my spiritual path. That's just really differed from when I was a child to where I am now. How did you navigate that journey of figuring out what are your beliefs and what were your parents' beliefs? Uh, I actually moved away. <laughs> um, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 20 and I didn't know anybody. And I really, you know, when you grow up in any sort of belief set, well, you know, your family, your friends, relatives, you have an identity you're the smart one, the pretty one, the athletic one, you know, even if your parents are great, like, I don't mean that in a necessarily negative way, but like as kids, every child has that identity. And even in the most loving ways, sometimes parents don't realize that that can be suffocating. Uh, and they're just observing. But what happens is when you get older to that, you know, 18 years old ish, and you start questioning it, it's really hard to change your identity when everyone around you already has an idea of who you are. Yeah. Because no, then when you're responding in a certain way, um, like for instance, I was really dramatic, you know, I was an actor, so I was really dramatic. And when I stopped being dramatic, everyone around me was like, Oh, she's going to be really dramatic about this. And it was like, Oh, but that's not me anymore. How interesting. Cause you still see her and I'm not her anymore. So it was really interesting because I had to really, it, the path that I was going in was just leading me away. I mean, I didn't like run away from home or anything. Um, but I just wanted to move to Los Angeles and it just really worked out in the way of, Oh my gosh, nobody knows me. Like I can completely revamp who I am. I don't have to be that girl, you know, I grew up in a semi-small town where everybody sort of knew everybody. So it was like, 
you know, I, I get to redo all of that. I get to rediscover who I am and what my beliefs are. I really get to take a step back and look at my situations and my circumstances and what I believe about that. So, you know, that for me, I think was a little more drastic than what most people have, but um, it was just a really, it just really benefited me. I, I was really grateful. Even in that time, I was really aware of how grateful I was for that. Did it feel scary at the time? No, no. I was so excited to be in LA. <laughs> I had wanted to be in LA my whole life. So it was like, you know, I've, I'd seen it in the movies a thousand times. It was like, I know, I know how this goes. <laughs> and was it everything you thought it would be? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, I went through a dark night of the soul a couple of years after moving there, um, which is a very deep spiritual process of undoing. And it was very painful and beautiful, you know, on the, on the outside of it. You know, it was anytime we undo beliefs, anytime we shed old stuff, it's painful. And it was no exception. It was. So, um, you know, part of my time living there was awesome. And, and one of those, like, I can't even believe I lived that life. And then there's part of it that was, thank God that is over. So, yeah. I don't, I'm actually at a point right now. I just had like five different things come to me and I'm not sure where to take this. Cause I'm so excited <laughs> about everything that we've talked about so far. Um, what do you, where do you really want to take it right now? Um, I, I don't have a preference. <laughs> All right. And let's talk about astrocartography because we were talking okay. about that before we hit record and I'm thinking most people don't know what that is. So could you explain what it is, please? Yeah. So astrocartography, you know, we talk about the zodiac and astrology with ourselves but astrocartography stretches out to the earth the planets you know the there are signs and astrology for each location there's also events you can do astrology for events and you can see what the planets are lined up as how it influenced um you know it's astrology for us is is kind of a a really narrow viewpoint it's it, it's completely the whole world, you know, it's, um, and how it affects where you're living. It affects, um, you know, what comes up for you when you move in a certain location, the time periods of your life. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's a much broader view to just how we look at ourselves, like our horoscope. It, it actually encompasses the whole world. And how have you used it in your life? I, anytime, well, I've moved quite a bit. Um, anytime I move, I look at what are my predominant. See, and so here's the thing about astrocartography. What most people do is they get an astrocartography chart and it says, uh, like for myself, it said Los Angeles is going to be really rough. <laughs> uh, all of these things are going to come up. And, and, you know, I had my parents and family going, you're out of your mind, right? Like you're walking into a blazing fire from hell. Why would you do that? Um, and I'm just kind of that stubborn person that I'm like, let's do it. You know, let's dance. <laughs> um, 
I, I've tamed down a little bit in my, in my older years, but um, not too much. But the thing about astrophotography is that it's not saying don't do it. It's saying these are the lessons if you so choose. It's like this is your mission if you choose to accept it. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to deal with it at some point. It's just a matter of where. So, like, I've, I know people who, like, will do astrophotography, like, oh, let's try, let's try this place. Let's try that place. And, you know, I was saying it changes every however many miles. So it's like, okay, let's try the next town over. Let's try the next town over. And it's like, you're going to have to deal with something. It's just you get to choose what. You know, if your sun sign is in a certain city, it's probably going to be a really great match. If you move somewhere that's your Mercury, you're going to have to work on your communication. You're going to have to work depending on where your Mercury is in your chart and what signs, you know, it's where that all lays out in your natal chart. You're just looking at what you have to deal with. And instead of like running from that, we use it as a compass. You know, um, if you're going on vacation somewhere, like I was saying, I'm doing this sacred sites tour in Salem we get to look at the astrophotography of that zone and that space and what that brings up for people, you know, and we use it as a compass. It's, it's a map for where we're going on our spiritual journey, you know? Yeah. So I, we were talking about before I worked with an astrophotographer and he had actually told me that I was basically done with Maine. I had learned everything. We lived there for 10 years. I learned everything Mm -hmm. that I was supposed to learn. It was time to move on. Which mm-hmm. resonated so much with me. That's exactly what I was feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I said something on social media a little bit ago about this year and the next two years are going to be huge for people moving. It's because just that same thing, what you were saying, like there's this shift happening in the consciousness right now that people are just done. Like, and so many people can feel it and they can't even put it into words. It's like, wow, I'm just done with where I'm living. And it's that same thing. Like all the things they're meant to learn, all the things that they were supposed to go through are done. And now it's this moving into something else. And it's like, every time I go on Facebook or Instagram, somebody's moving, you know, and it's like, and I'm moving in a few weeks. And it's like, it's just, yeah, th- these periods that we've been going through are, are just done and people are moving on. It's so interesting to think of the way it affects the people that live in the same town for their whole lives. Like, will they still go through these lessons or does it create like a stagnation in their life? You know, for somebody who's, I mean, whether you live in the same house or town, there's always something, What you know, our own internal soul lessons. There's our own, you know, our own belief systems, our own paradigms. So, I mean, there's no escaping it, (laughs) you know? Um, So, yeah, I mean, everybody has to deal with it in some way or another, but sometimes I think that sometimes people are just more, they need a bigger shift to, you know, some, like I'm that personality. Like I need to have the symbolism I need to have, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of dramatic that way. Like, you know, I like the, the big gestures. Some people are not like that. Some people don't need the big thing. They just, um, like my husband's like that. It's the weirdest thing to me when he is done with something or he learns a lesson. He's like, Oh, okay. Well that's, I, I learned that and I'll just move on now. And I'm like, what? Like, like it's so simple. And I'm not like that at all. How do you so, respond? 
How do I respond to him? No, when you learn a big lesson. Um, for me, it's like this, it's, it's just more dramatic. Like I have to move, you know, or I have to go get my hair done or like, I just, for me, I need some sort of like symbolism to show that I'm moving into a new phase. It's like, I'm, I'm like the, the spiritual Madonna. Like I need to have, like, I need to reinvent myself with every spiritual phase I go through. You know, it's just, I just, I just like, you know, and it's, it's so interesting too, because I was, I'm getting, I'm actually getting my hair done today. And I was like, I could go darker, but that was my phase, this spiritual phase. And I'm in a different spiritual phase and this spiritual phase feels more blonde. And, you know, it's like, I have to have like symbolism to reflect where I am spiritually. It's the weirdest thing. And that's, that's just the way I do it. Like, I don't, it, it doesn't affect my spiritual path. It's just what I do. You know, I just, I don't know. I, it just feels good to me to do that. How would you describe your current spiritual phase? Oh, you know, I, when I moved a couple years ago to where I'm living now, I felt a lot of silence. Like for the first time in my life, I felt a lot of silence and it's been, um, and there's been a lot of upheaval at the same time, a lot of like really old stuff coming up and, um, you know, some, some really painful stuff and just really deep lessons that I didn't even know were there that I thought I had overcome. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been really tough, but right now starting to feel that connection back, but in a different way, like it's, it's kind of like when you are younger and you don't know like why your parents do the things they do. And then you get older and you're like, Oh my gosh, I totally get why you did that now. That's how I feel right now. It's like, I feel like I went through this phase and I'm on the other side of it. Like I completely understand why all of that happened now. And I'm so excited to dig my feet in deeper in a level that I, you know, in, in some ways had to really build my faith to know that I would even get there. So it's a good space, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it's on the other side of uh, a lot of yucky stuff. So what comes up for me, the vision that comes up for me is as you were talking is like when you're at the beach and just kind of knead your toes into the sand. So you are like solid mm-hmm. standing there. Mm-hmm. The water yeah. can come by and ebbs and flows and still you are rooted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you know, spirituality is so interesting and our, in, in some ways our ideas about it are so interesting because in some ways I feel like there's this belief that when you become more spiritual, you don't go through those things anymore. And that's so not true. It's so not true. And it's, um, especially growing up, you know, when I saw the authors and teachers, you know, they had to really, especially at that time, it's a little different now because of social media, but at that time, especially, they really had to kind of be on the straight and narrow. Like they couldn't really say like, I'm going through a divorce and I'm a, marriage teacher, you know, it was like, you weren't allowed to be human at all. Like you weren't allowed to make mistakes, you know? And 
again, I feel like it's laxing a little bit, but there's still this, this idea that like, if you're a spiritual teacher, everything should be great. You should be high vibe all the time and it shouldn't, you should, you know, always be making money. You should always have the clients you want. You should always be, you know, uh, psychically tuned in. And it's like, you can't escape the lessons that you have in your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And, and here's the thing that sounds really uh, horrible, but you don't want to, you really don't want to, because that's Mm -hmm. what we're here for. The growth is the fun part, isn't it? Yeah, as not much doing as it. Unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. What is the point if there's no expansion? Hmm. You know, what is the point of that? The shedding of old stuff can be so painful, but on the other side of that, when you see a little bit more of the authenticity of your soul and what that really is like, that's priceless. And, and again, it's during those really dark times, having to hold that faith that there's something on the other side of this. And I, I really have to throw myself into the lessons that I'm trying to teach myself here because it's not spirit. I, I allow you like to stress that a lot. Like, Spirit's not doing this to us. (laughs) We do this to ourselves because we feel like we have to, you know, but we, we burn ourselves down and we go through this process of letting go of our humanness so that we reveal that, that authenticity of our soul in a deeper way. And each phase that we go through, it's painful, but there's just no other way around it. Uh, Okay. Hold on though. Spirit doesn't do this to us. We do this to us. How do you know that? Explain more, please. Because God, spirit source, whatever you want to call it, it is, it's, it's not punishing. And this is where, you know, I went to Catholic school when I was younger and I, I'm not knocking any religion or anything like that, but I went to Catholic school when I was younger and I had, questions about, you know, in this chapter, it seems like God's really mean. And then in this chapter, it seems like God's really nice. And I don't understand. And nobody could ever give me an answer as to why that was it. The more that I studied and the more that I didn't, wasn't just looking at Catholicism and the more I studied the Bible on my own, it all tied together. It, it's I always say the proof is in the pudding. Like in any religion, in any belief system, in anything that I, I research, God, the universe, science, it's always abundant of itself. So the idea that it's a negative doesn't even scientifically make sense as well as spiritually make sense. And it's just, again, we have processed spirituality and religion through our human filters because we don't feel good enough that we place that on something higher than ourselves that we have to prove mm-hmm. that we're good enough, you know? And the more that I, and I grew up just because of who I was feeling like I needed to impress God. And when I stepped away from that and, and through my 
the information that I get, through my visions that I get, through all of it, God has never been judgmental towards me or mean towards me or anybody else. I mean, I've done thousands of readings for people over the years, and I've never had that voice say anything negative about the person. If anything, it's the opposite. It's always about love. It's always about acceptance and grace. And that makes more sense to me. It, it, when I look at any religion, any modality, the Bible, when I look at it that way, it actually makes everything make sense. Whereas if I do the alternative, there's tons of holes in the story. So for me, it's the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I feel like that, that, that message, somebody needs to hear that right now. So thank you for You're sharing welcome. that. I also realized we didn't define the word spiritual. So let's do that. How would you define it? I, I always just use the definition, which is consisting of or relating to spirit. So for me, it's, you know, if you believe in God, spirit, source, it's doing things that are consisting of that. So if you look at the different attributes of what God, spirit, source is, I mean, just the word source, I think is a great word because it's the source, you know, so source of abundance, source of prosperity, source of health. If that's your source, then it's abundant of all of those things. So if you're doing things that are consistent with that, it would mean that you're doing actions that are relating to the abundance of love, uh, actions or thoughts relating to the abundance of money. And to me, that's what spirituality is. It is consistently acting or feeling in or thinking of the relation to spirit or God or the universe, whatever you believe. And then is, is spirituality believing in abundance? No, I mean, there's spiritual people that I know that don't believe in, well, they'd like to believe in abundance. <laughs> um, abundance is a attribute of spirit. It's, you know, wh whether that's, you know, to me, m abundance is everything. It's the abundance of love. It's the abundance of, you know, love in a relationship or love that you have with your children or abundance of time. I mean, gosh, how, how much do we as a society feel like we have a lack of time, you know? And that's actually a, a huge way like, that I work with clients about. If when you shift that, that narrative of I lack time and you focus on the abundance of time, it's crazy how it actually somehow seems to create more time. Like, and that's that law of attraction factor where if you focus on what you have, the lack disappears. Time is our most valuable resource, really. I mean, that's really uh, stacked up against money any day. The time we have with our loved ones, the time we do the things we love doing, you know, and abundance of time seems out of reach for a lot of us, you know? So to me, abundance is everything that source is a source is an abundance of everything. And I just, just trying to make sure I'm on the same page with you that. So source is abundant. Spirit is abundant. Universe is abundant. We can keep going down that. Um, 
but to be spiritual you don't necessarily you could still be spiritual but have a lack mindset for sure okay yeah i believe that we all have the same divine inheritance as i call it so we all have the same rights to everything however we all don't tap into the same inheritance so some people are really great at manifesting money and are billionaires but can't attract a relationship a loving healthy relationship some people can attract amazing like soulmate relationships through any of their dating life and not be able to pay their rent like to me it's we all have ways that are easier for us to manifest but because we're looking at it differently like some people think that it's so hard to manifest money and for some people it is so hard to manifest money but it's it's just another facet of abundance and this is something that you know in spirituality people talk about the you know getting into the the money mindset and stuff and it works on a, a level because we're in a human world and mindset is human but it really is looking at the expansion of our consciousness of all abundance. If we just tap into an abundance mindset, we create abundance across the board because otherwise we're like, I want more abundance in this little area over here. Not realizing that abundance is just everything. If we just get into alignment with source, the abundance of source, it creates abundance in everything instead of like trying to micromanage where our abundance is going. That's not our job. No. <laughs> and we're typically not very good at it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm the not more either. I surrender, the better things get. And yet surrendering. I've described surrendering before as like it's okay, surrender. Good. Oh my god. Like cling. And then like <laughs> surrender. Come on, remember you were gonna surrender. And then another like, oh my god, I gotta cling to it. Yeah. It yeah, surrenders. Like it's, it's hard because it feels like you're doing nothing, but you're not. It actually, surrender is a space where you're upping your faith. Your faith in something higher than you, not what you're afraid of. Mm. So when we try to control, it's because we're putting faith in what we're afraid of. But when we surrender, we're putting our faith in God's spirit source. And we can see the things that we're afraid of, but we can't see God. So it's easier to sit and try to micromanage and say, look at all these things I'm afraid of, and they're right in front of me. And it seems sometimes crazy to surrender that and say, well, I'm just going to give it to God and let God take care of it. In some ways, I, I used to think that was lazy. I used to think that was complacent. And I was like, I'm so good at controlling things. I'll just do this myself. And that's a really productive thing to do. And that'll impress God. Uh, and that just, it doesn't work. It really doesn't work. And we make it so much harder on ourselves than it has to be. And when we just get into the space of I'm going to surrender, which means I'm going to be practicing faith, really big time practicing faith to where I can actually stop checking things and doing things and, and pretty much forget about it because you're basically assigning something bigger to you than you to fight your battles. Yeah, it's like 
big time delegating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I read years ago, actually, about this concept of creating a God box where you take all the things you're worried about, write them down, put them in the box. Mm-hmm. Thanks. You take care of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think whatever works. I mean, it's like, you know, I know people who start their day with, okay, I'm running this event and this is what I need done. So God, I'm going to give this to you and I'm going to take care of X, Y, Z, you know, and I think that's awesome because it's like, if you're a boss in your business, you would be telling your employees, I need you to do this for me. I need you to do that for me. So, you know, or even the boss, you know, uh, can I have your help with this? So we have this idea that we have to do everything ourselves and we have to hustle and we have to do it all by ourselves. And it makes us bigger and better and stronger than the next person. Um, and it just doesn't, it's, And that is particularly true with women because we're taught if she has it, you can't have it. If she has it, I can't have it. So we have this competitive nature, which affects us spiritually. You know, it's like, we feel like I have to do everything myself and that that's going to buy me a place in heaven. And it's like, no, it's going to make hell on earth is what it's going to do. You know, it makes us suffer more than we need to, instead of saying, I'm going to look at everyone as my sister and we're all in this together. And I'm going to look at God and all my angels and guides and whatever you believe in as a team. Mm -hmm. We're all a team. We're all a collective. There is no I it's only we. And if we step into the world with that consciousness, we have a whole lot of friends and a lot less enemies. I love that image of, yeah, we all have a posse. Your posse isn't just like two people either. Like mm-hmm. we got, <laughs> we got support, like big, big support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, there's that saying, uh, what is it behind every successful woman? There's a, oh, there's, there's a few ways, different ways people say that like behind every successful woman, there's a, a friendship or something, but it's like behind every successful person is a ridiculously huge, awesomely huge team, spiritual team. Yeah. You know, and that's ancestors or spirits or guides or angels or whatever. Like you have a whole team and then you have your worldly team and the universe conspiring to make things work out for you. Like Mm -hmm. that's, that's really amazing when we think about it, you know, and if we get into that space of controlling, it becomes the world is happening to me and I have to try to micromanage it to work out for me instead of, holy cow, the whole world is actually conspiring to make my life awesome and my time here awesome. That changes the game completely. And we stop seeing every little thing as, I can't believe this is happening to me. And like, oh, wait, that didn't happen. That's awesome because it means there's something better for me. Yeah. I'm the weirdo that gets really excited when something doesn't work out the way I thought I wanted it to work out. And I'm like, Oh, sweet. What does this make room for? Right. Yeah. And that's such a great mindset. Like I I remember a friend of mine got fired and they called me and they were like, Oh my gosh, I got fired from my job. And I was like, sick. What's coming along? Yeah. You know, it's like, that means God's got something way better for you. You know, that's great. But again, yeah, we get so attached to my life needs to look this way and I need to do it this way. And, you know, 
all it does is narrow the way that prosperity comes in, narrow the way that love comes in. You know, it's, we get so focused on like the relationships that we want, that we miss the one that's like knocking on our door, you know, Mm -hmm. and we get so focused on the job that we're comfortable in that we don't even see the signs that our dream job is literally, you know, putting its feelers out for us or hiring or whatever, you know, it's like, there's, there's a whole world, a whole universe literally conspiring to give us the most amazing things. And if we just stop trying to micromanage everything, we get to actually step back and see it. My mom had this teacher, she always told this story. She had this teacher in elementary school who used to say, the world is vast. That's what I just had the urge to say in response to mm-hmm. The world is vast. It is. It's vast and it's all for us. Mm-hmm. The whole experience is all for us. It's, life's not supposed to be hard. No. It's not supposed to be a struggle. We're not supposed to suffer. We're not supposed to be in pain. Our attachment to human things causes pain sometimes, but that's not what life is. It's, it's a really, you know, we choose to make it a human experience or a spiritual experience and human hurts Hmm. because that's attachment and that's ego. The ego mind is, you know, in psychology, the ego mind is the part that we identify with and our only true identity is who we are in our souls. So if we're trying to identify with our human selves, it's going to hurt. It's not going to work out very well. But when we really, really know who we are on a spiritual level and that that is real and that that is all that exists, the experience really changes. How do we get there? I think it's different for everybody. You know, everybody's spiritual path is different. I think it's really tapping into your version of God's spirit source. And, you know, one of the things I pray every day is God help me to live, love and learn through you today. And some days that's really hard. Um, You know, some days I don't want to, (laughs) but, but I don't, want to live a day that I'm not trying to be closer to God. Mm. Um, Cause that I've done that and that feels like hell, you know, to me, that's what, that's what hell is. It's not this fiery pit that they talk about in uh, whatever, you know, whatever books or whatever belief systems for me, it's really feeling separate, feeling separate from yourself. I can't imagine any worse hell than that. No, I feel like that's ultimate loneliness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is absolute darkness to feel that way, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, again, I've, I've felt that way and I've seen it. Um, you know, I've watched people struggle with addiction. I've watched people struggle with, with trauma and it's, it's horrible, horrible. And to feel that separate is, um, I have empathy for it because that is what hell feels like, you know, but that connection to, something bigger than us brings us out of that darkness no matter you know i've been in the pits of despair and i've seen people in the pits of despair you know and there were times that i i didn't think i would come back from it you know and 
that I did, I know that there is something bigger than me, but something that absolutely loves me because otherwise it could have just left me there and it didn't, you know, and it, it could do that to anybody and it doesn't. And that's how I know that it is complete and utter love and support always. So it sounds like it had faith in you, even when you didn't have faith in it. Yeah. God has a funny way of doing that. (laughs) God knows more than we do, believe it or not. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, we, we can look at other people and we, and, and ourselves and we judge ourselves and we judge other people for the things that they do and, and the things that we do. And it's like, God doesn't judge anybody for anything. And that's, that's hard to even wrap our human minds around, you know, it's like, right. but it doesn't, it doesn't. And it, and it doesn't make sense if it does, you know what I mean? Like that's again, the proof is in the pudding. It doesn't make sense if it does. It only makes sense that it wouldn't. And that's, that's really what redemption is, is actually seeing ourselves through the eyes of God or the, the spirit of God. It, you know, there's that, I learned about redemption and stuff in, in religion when I was younger. And I thought it was like, you had to redeem yourself to get God's grace. And what I realized is redemption is realizing that we have God's grace always and that we actually don't have to do anything you know, it's, it's the redemption within ourselves to, to discover that. Not that we have to prove it, not that we have to be more than what we are, but that we're already enough as we are. And that's, the redemption is really just the surrendering and believing that that's true. Mm-hmm. The remembering. Exactly, yeah. I'm, I just peeked at the clock and I'm like, oh my God, this is just flying by. <laughs> So I've got a few questions that I want to make sure we cover. One being in this path, this life path that you've had, what is the scariest thing you've ever done? I, I had a moment in my life where, well, I'd say they were equal and they were related to each other. One was that I walked away from my spiritual path. And the other was that I returned to it. (laughs) Um, Because when I returned to it, I told God, I will never question you again. I will never question you from here on out. It's your will over mine, no matter what. And that is incredibly scary. Um, But I I 100%, and that's why I, I sound so diligent sometimes in the way that I talk about the spiritual path, because that's the way that I am on mine. That's not the way that everybody is. And it's, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. It's not that. It's just that that was a commitment that I made that I will never question it again, wherever you lead me, I will go always. Um, So that was scary at the time, but it was not scarier in a way than um, what I had put myself in. So yeah. And in that ultimate surrender of saying, I'll go wherever you send me. What's, do you, what's the difference between trust and faith in that situation? <clears throat> well, to me, they kind of, well, trust, I think can be 
blind sometimes. Like we, we can trust somebody or something when we don't really have the evidence to, to do so. You know, I think trust sometimes is based more on a feeling. And to me, faith is based on fact. I, I believe that faith is based off of, when it comes to God or spirit, I believe it's based off of a knowing. You know, and that's why I think it's so important on our spiritual path to, to try things and to experience things and to, to study what works for us, you know, because it, it helps us to expand our faith and faith comes by practicing, you know, the more that we practice something and we see that it turns out well, or that when something doesn't work out, we know it's going to be okay. It strengthens our faith each and every time. So to me, it's based off of evidence. Mm-hmm. Whereas trust isn't always necessarily based on evidence. So, um, yeah, faith is to me an expansion of, of knowing and, um, encompassing that trusting, but based on evidence. I'm just going to sit with that definition for a second. And in finding in trusting in having faith, now, now I'm just going to use the words interchangeably. Apparently that was not intentional. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find, does spirit have humor? Um, in my experience, yeah. Uh, but again, I think that might be just kind of like, I'm just a really sarcastic person. So sometimes I feel like, I feel like sometimes God speaks to us individually the way that we need to hear it. Mm. Um, and what's really interesting is when you're around a lot of spiritual people, they will all hear the same message and it'll vary just a little bit. And that's, that's super cool because then, you know, wow, I heard this from God's spirit source and they heard it too. And it's like almost word for word, but you can, you know, hear how it changes a little based off of the person and how they talk. But I think that how, how we're spoken to is what, how we need to hear it. You yeah, know, spirit so drops for, a lot of F-bombs for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, for me, it's like a lot of sarcasm and a lot of um, really blunt, you know, because it's like, I just like things really blunt. I'm, I'm just like that. And uh, that's, that's how I get my messages. And because that's how I'm going to hear it. Yeah. It, this just reminds me of, I think spirit, I think of it as really sassy. Mm-hmm. So I recently, I was on this, um, I just kept seeing hawks everywhere. And so I decided I was on a bike ride and I had seen just so many signs from spirit. And I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to see a hawk. And I kind of forgot that I said that. I'm like another mile down the road dead hawk on the, oh, on the road. Wow. I was like, Oh, I get it. <laughs> it's not, it's not just like, I don't get to say like, now make a hawk appear, please. <laughs> well, you know, what's really amazing is that we, we have lifetimes, you know, and through our lifetimes, we haven't always studied the same religion or spirituality. We've studied thousands of different things in all of our lifetimes. So it's amazing because 
we come into this lifetime with what resonates with us. And it's, it's kind of like choose your own adventure. You know, it's like you get to choose what resonates with you. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm saying this because, you know, with animal medicine, the mm-hmm. hawk, like animal medicine is something that I really have just always been fascinated by and really resonate with. And it's like, you know, it's that for you could be a message because there's a part of you that's resonating with animal medicine that you may not even practice in this lifetime, but there's a part of you that's getting a message in a way that you don't even consciously know in this lifetime, you know, it's just, it's amazing. And and this is again, why it's so important to try so many different things and, you know, what resonates with you, obviously, I would never say, you know, don't try everything. <laughs> Everything's not going to resonate with you, but try anything that seems of interest you know it's it is a rabbit hole you just get to kind of throw yourself into it and say what next and and let me be led because everything that you're led to is going to have something in you that resonates with it whether it's a memory or a past life or just something your soul knows that you need in this lifetime yeah and you are I think you're right on with animal medicine being something from a past life for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've heard that before. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> Christian, this conversation has been amazing. How can people learn more about you, work with you, go on that Salem tour, all the things? All the things are on my website at christiansinclair.com. How about social media? Can they follow you on there? Yes, they can. I'm so not good at remembering my, my handles. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, it's, it's, I am Christian Sinclair. Um, I believe that's the case with Instagram <laughs> and Facebook. Um, I'm pretty sure that's it across the board. I am Christian Sinclair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you'd think I would learn it at this point, but I just don't. <laughs> and one last thing. If you had a billboard or if you just had a short snippet that you just really want everyone to freaking hear and take in, what would you say? God loves you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God loves you. That changes everything. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group. Find your awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, KelseyAbbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter, and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome. Awesome.